Hello, and welcome to the San Diego News Fix. I'm Christy Totten. Imagine if everything you held up to your nose smelled like sewage. Enticing food, your beloved family, everything. That's what some COVID-19 patients are experiencing for months after they recover. First, the news. The California Supreme Court has denied a request to review an appeals court decision that would make San Diego County pay millions of dollars to a man who suffered brain damage after falling in a Vista jail. In 2019, jurors awarded David Collins $12.6 million. The trial judge later reduced the award to $6.4 million, which was more than Collins's attorneys had asked for. The decision effectively ends the county's efforts to overturn the case. The group Fiesta Island Dog Owners, or FIDO, have persuaded the California Coastal Commission not to make changes to its namesake Mission Bay Dog Park. Coastal Commission staff wanted to broaden the area's uses to include picnic spots, swim areas, and a boat launch, but FIDO persuaded commissioners to vote 6-5 against the proposal, opting to keep the 90-acre park intact. For the first time this year, the California Independent System Operator, which manages the state's power grid, issued a flex alert. Between 5 p.m. and 10 p.m. Thursday, consumers across the state are being asked to reduce energy to help relieve stress on the system. Julie Carty got COVID-19 late last year. The North County resident recovered fine, but months later, something happened to her sense of smell. It's not that she couldn't smell anything, but everything she could smell smelled horrible. Julie is now working with Dr. Yan. Dr. Yan is an ear, nose, and throat specialist, as well as a head and neck surgeon at UC San Diego. Julie and Dr. Yan, thank you very much for joining me. Um, Julie, I just want to start with you and your story. So late last year, you got COVID. Can you tell me the story of how you realized you had lost your sense of smell? Sure. Yeah, it was um, a great Christmas Eve, (laughs) tested positive for COVID, Um, was nine months pregnant. So of course, freaked out um, because I I truly cocooned myself before um, delivery and in trying to prevent getting COVID, but nonetheless, like everybody, like most people, I got COVID and I had very, very mild symptoms, just like a babyest of cold. But what I did notice about maybe two days in, um, I had complete loss of smell. I had taste, but complete loss of smell. And so I thought, okay, I mean, worst case scenario, I lost my sense of smell for a couple of weeks. I, you know, I've heard about this happening. And so I thought I was actually lucky. I'm one of the lucky ones that baby cold, no smell, but in, in, you know, the positive side of it, I was going to have the antibodies in my breast milk, you know, to, you know, breastfeed my baby. So truly I thought like getting COVID was a blessing in disguise. Little did I know that for about four months, my smell truly never came back. It just, I would, we would, I would try smelling everything in my house, my baby. I could not smell my baby, which was like truly like the most depressing part. And so I thought, okay, again, you know, I'll deal with it. Right. It'll hopefully come back. And never really honestly spent too much time even researching into the smell or taste loss during those four months because just busy doing, you know, postpartum stuff with as a new mom. And then from one day to the next, I woke up from a nap and I smelled this horrid, horrid smell. And the only way I could truly describe it is like wet or hot sewage or garbage. It's, it was awful. And then I tried to taste what I was making for dinner. And it was just like, as if I was eating something that was spoiled or rotten, it was just disgusting. And so it was shocking. Like I was panicked. I had my husband of course, taste it. 
And he looked at me like, um, this is fine. And then I tried like a strawberry in my fridge. I tried a piece of chocolate from my daughter's candy. Like I, I couldn't, like everything was translating as just like poison, like just not good. And so I started Googling um, all that night and the next day and discovered that I have something called parosmia, which is smell and taste distortion. And so I then found a Facebook support group. I tried doing all the research I could. I found Dr. Yan and I have now it's been over nine weeks and it's still distorted. And I also still have smell loss. How are you coping with this? You know, we were talking before this interview and I'm just like, you're, you seem very positive about it. You know, how, how have you learned to deal with this? I think I'm just now on, uh, I don't know, like the third chapter now that it's been nine weeks. Like if you talk to me the first week, I was a basket case. I couldn't speak without crying. Truly. I, I tried to make an appointment with Dr. Yan's office and she was booked, I think like two or three weeks out. And so I feverishly found her email and, and said, Hey, can you see me? I can't like wait another day to talk to someone about this that knows what this is because I had gone to my primary care and she unfortunately didn't know about this and she's amazing. And this is so new that I knew I needed to find an expert in smell and taste loss. So emotionally it's been hard. I mean, it's been a roller coaster. I kind of mentioned a couple of things about not being able to smell my baby. Um, and now my baby actually started to smell like that smell. And then I re quickly realized that I had to switch out every product in my house to be like fragrance free or a vanilla fragrance, because that is actually a fragrance and taste that actually is translating as normal and tolerable. Um, but some days are better and some days are worse. I mean, it's super upsetting. Like every night I think I'll, maybe I can cuddle with my husband tonight and I can't, he, he truly gives off that, that odor, unfortunately. And I think I get, I get pretty sad when I think about my biggest fear, I guess right now is losing the memories, right? Like forgetting what my husband's going to smell like. I, I'm afraid of that. Like forgetting what the, the things that bring me joy that, you know, smell kind of triggers. Like, I'm just afraid of losing those because it's not coming back quick enough, or I'm not getting enough relief of that smell, right? I'm not, it's not coming back at all. And so I'm just afraid of the memories right now, but I'm trying to remain positive. I'm trying to do a lot of advocacy work with Dr. Yan to like get the word out about smell distortion so that we can kind of fund more research. And I find that that's giving me um, some positivity. Dr. Yan, will you explain why this happens to COVID patients? Yeah, so um, thanks for having me and Julie. Um, and that was a great, you know, rehash of your story. Um, the real answer is that we don't know for sure. Um, there's so much about smell loss and smell distortion of parosmia that we are just not absolutely certain about. Um, and what we hypothesize is that parosmia comes from the injury um, to the circuitry or the cells in the nose called the olfactory epithelium. And that's where the viruses are directly attacking these cells in the nose. And they send these neuron signals to the smell organ in the brain. Um, and we think that um, somewhere along the process, these uh, cells, um, neurons sending their signals have been either injured or damaged or their circuitry is altered. And that's why people are getting distorted smells. Is this very common among COVID patients? Yeah. So. Um, Great question. So parosmia has always been known to be a component, a, a post-viral 
smell lost. Um, and traditionally it was probably closer to about 7% or so. And it seems to be higher in the COVID-19 patients. Certainly there are a lot more people who have smell loss uh, related to COVID-19, but we're seeing it in probably up to like a third of the patients. Um, and by far, it could be far more devastating you know, to have distorted and a persistent foul smell everywhere you go and accompanied by an inability to taste food. Um, and I've had a lot of patients even tell me, you know, they'd rather just take their smell function completely away and they'd rather have no smell than this pervasive foul smell. Um, do you think patients like Julie will fully recover? And, um, you know, for people who don't, what do you do? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so, you know, the literature supports that um, parosmia could be a good prognosis for those who have smell loss. Um, not to say that you should be concerned if you don't have parosmia, but um, certainly it, we think it is a function of the smell neurons and um, connection regrowing and the tissue in the um, olfactory epithelium wants to regenerate. And there's uh, certainly a lot of stem cells there that are meant to turn over and regrow new cells and new connections. So the hope is that, you know, spontaneously um, people will get their sense of smell back. And there are certainly stories, it's almost like a light on and off switch. Someone wakes up the next day and they say that their smell distortion is gone. Um, but we just don't know if that's gonna be everyone. You know, definitely there are people 12 months, even 18 months out there um, who can still continue to have smell loss and smell distortion. Um, and then in terms of what to do, you know, a lot of it is um, understanding what is tolerable to you. Um, seeing, I think a nutritionist or a dietitian is really helpful. Um, if you feel like you're struggling with um, your diet and kind of finding the right foods and just knowing what can be a good supplement of the, of the sense that you can tolerate and then trying out the stuff that you don't like, um, kind of almost like using an, um, a nose clip or something and just trying out a food that doesn't um, taste as bad or really does taste bad, but you're gonna try to you know, do a couple bites each day to kind of see if you can experiment with new things. Julie, does that help you just plugging your nose, like breathing through your mouth, I guess? Yeah. Um, I've tried the nose clip. My daughter thinks it's hilarious. Um, <laughs> and it's, I, 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 if I had an, I wish I could have a nose clip and make it socially acceptable at a restaurant an outdoor restaurant, but, um, the nose clip does, um, it does actually work. It's not like the most comfortable thing, um, to do, but there's been times where I've tried the nose clip and I can stomach getting food down, um, more so than not having the nose clip. There are still some real hard nose, like even with the nose clip that I cannot tolerate. And it seems like most people in that Facebook support group that I'm part of can't tolerate. Um, but the nose clip does help. The, the one challenge that I also am having is, and, and I guess going back to, you know, some days are better than others in terms of like, how am I coping? You know, your safe foods aren't always safe. Like one day I'll try a carrot, a raw carrot, and it'll be fine. The next day I'll eat that raw carrot thinking, okay, I have that as my, you know, healthy, safe food today and I'll try it and, it, and it's just disgusting. So it's hard to also rely on the safe foods um, because they're not always what we call safe. And so really it's kind of trial and error. I will say I've had some consistent safe foods. Vanilla has been a con, like been my savior throughout this whole thing. So that has not turned on me. So 
hopefully vanilla will never turn on me because I heavily rely on that as a um, protein shake when everything seems to have turned on me. But um, yeah, it's a challenge because not everything that you think is safe is safe. It depends on the day. It just, there's, it's no rhyme or reason to it. I, I kind of describe it as like a loose wire. Like you just don't know, like you don't know. It sounds maddening. Uh, well, speaking of the Facebook group, um, first of all, what is it called? You know, for people who might be experiencing the same thing and, you know, would like to join, but um, you know, what are the experiences you had there? Yeah. So there's a few Facebook groups. One is um, called COVID anosmia parosmia support group. There's another one that's um, absent parosmia and phantosmia support group. Um, and one that's COVID-19 smell and taste loss. So there's a few different support groups. Um, and I actually have found that there are some even like regional support groups for, you know, like I found one that, that was specific to like the Dallas network. So um, there's a, there's a few. Absent is actually an organization that's based out of the UK. It's a nonprofit that's kind of been the leader and Dr. Yan probably can speak more to this, but they're like the lead nonprofit researcher on, on smell and taste loss as a support group. Um, but what I, when I found the support group, um, it first off validated that I wasn't crazy because I truly laid in bed thinking I'm, am I going insane? And I wasn't. So, um, that was helpful. And it's a great group because you know, you're not alone. Everyone's going through this. I'm fortunate in that I have my husband and my network around me believes me and they feel awful for me. And even the skeptics I've actually invited to be members of the support group so they can read other people's experiences, because I think that's really helpful to have validation and hear how other people are experiencing the same thing as you. And then it's really sad because there's so many people in this group whose families don't believe them. They think they're overreacting and they're alone navigating this journey. And so I, you know, it's been great because I validate like, okay, I'm in a better place than some, and that helps me. And then it's also sobering because there's people, as Dr. Yan said, that are in this group that have been 16 plus months with no recovery at all. And a lot of people reach out in this group for advice or support because a lot of people in this group do not have a Dr. Yan, like just today. And so I spent a lot of time just trying to like update people on the research that Dr. Yan is doing to give people hope, because I think that's what helps you move forward every day and get, get on with your life is that eventually this should go away or this should get better. But there are people in this group that said they saw their ENT, they saw their primary care, and they told them either they're crazy or that they, um, there's nothing for them and that this is, this is what's going to happen to them forever. So I'm trying to connect the dots for these people. You actually helped somebody who was diagnosed with an eating disorder, but was actually suffering from this. Will you tell me more about that? Yeah. So one late night while I was up uh, with my child who doesn't like to sleep, um, my baby who has colic, he, um, I saw in the group, this, this girl posted about her experience. She's in a hospital in Italy. She asked a question about, you know, has anyone gotten an MRI? And I replied back explaining, you know, my conversation with Dr. Yan that an MRI typically doesn't show it. And then it opened up a conversation about how the hospital that she's at doesn't believe her and are going to do an MRI to try to prove to her that she's wrong, that she doesn't have anything wrong with her and that they think she has an eating disorder. This girl's 16 years old. They were actively force feeding her. And she had been there at that point for, I think five days. And they had her in like a psych ward essentially in trying to force feed her for an eating disorder. And they said they'd never heard of parosmia. 
And so I kept replying back, like, show them this group, show them this article in BBC or the Smithsonian. And um, I just decided, well, there's, I know that the smell and taste loss lead researcher is out of Germany. I'm just going to try to message him and see what response I get with her story. And to my surprise, he had emailed back. He actually emailed back with like the lead researcher in Italy and I gave them all her information and I gave vice versa. I gave it to the gal in the Facebook support group. And then um, I checked in with her a few days later and she said they believed her. They now understand what parosmia is. Unfortunately, she was still in the hospital because she, she, unlike me, couldn't even take down a smoothie or anything. She actually was getting nutrition via a feeding tube because she could not tolerate anything. So um, yeah, it's wild. You hear like everyone has similar experiences that their physicians or their community around them doesn't know what this is and doesn't believe them. And there are people that truly can't actually stomach water or the smell of water. So what keeps me going is perspective. It could be worse for me. I'm doing better than mo- better than most. And I'm just trying to do what I can in my efforts here to, to kind of, you know, contribute to the cause, I guess. Dr. Yan, do you think more people having this now will improve the understanding of it or possibly the treatment of it in the future? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, It's been amazing to see the um, academic medical to come together um, and uh, work on clinical trials and research that have um, hopefully or will um, have some improvement on the sense of smell and prosnia. And there are certainly um, multiple clinical trials going on across the world. Um, for those interested, you know, you can check out uh, clinicaltrial.gov, you know, our um, NIH uh, registries of ongoing recruiting uh, clinical trials and ask your physicians even more about them. Um, we are doing a collaboration at, with Stanford University here at UCSD, um, looking at a treatment option for smell loss and prosmia, um, but there's certainly other ones going on and other universities as well. Um, and I think um, it, you know, this is all just still uh, pretty prelim um, in terms of the uh, efforts in recruiting patients. And, and there certainly will be a few more months before we have any like solid evidence of something being improvement versus not, but it's all a good sign. You know, there's certainly um, lots of people out there doing the research. Um, from the mechanism standpoint to the treatment standpoint um, with the goal of hopefully getting um, more answers and more opportunities to improve. Well, Julie, I truly hope that you fully recover from this. Um, And I know that you do too. Um, And it sounds like you're making some improvements, but I mean, like in the case that you don't, or in the case that this is, you know, in your life uh, in some way for a, a long time, I mean, how, how will you deal with that? Um, well, I know I, I, this is, this is the hardest part, right? Like just what if I don't recover from this or I have, I'll never taste the same in and out burger that I love again. And, um, it's depressing. I mean, so I try not to think about it. Honestly, I really try to stay positive because I know positive thinking is, is what will hopefully help. And, you know, trying to not have anxiety, I've actually started doing acupuncture as well. Um, different, you know, treatments outside of just the like traditional medical treatments, right? Like the nasal rinses that I'm doing with Dr. Yan um, to try to stay positive, try to stay focused. When my mind wanders, I really try to do yoga, meditation, things that bring me back to like, okay, this I'll do, you know, I can, I can get through this. And I, I try to keep things into perspective on um, my 
my, both of my children um, are diagnosed with hip dysplasia and I had to take my son to get um, an ultrasound about a week ago. And I'm sitting in the ultrasound room, you know, in the waiting room with, you know, children that are suffering from cancer with their parents. And I, and it just kind of, it, it, if I don't taste an In-N-Out burger again, I mean, if that's the worst thing that happens in my life, it, it could be worse, right? So I truly, truly try to keep things into perspective while also still trying to validate that what I'm going through is real and I'm allowed to be sad and there's going to be bad days. And I'm, you know, and so, um, but I, I really try not to think about the fact that this could be forever because when I think about that, my, I go in a tailspin. So I, I just try not to think about it. You can read Julie's essay online at sandiegouniontribune.com. I'm Christy Totten, host of the San Diego News Fix. Thanks for listening.